You're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. Well, we're in um, Luke chapter 19. Um, I'm going to be reading from 19 verses 1 to 10. Uh, Jesus and Zacchaeus. He, Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. He was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who was a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. This is the word of the Lord. Well, as we do come to this important time together, uh, let me pray for us. Uh, let, me, let us ask that God would do what only he can do. Our dearest Heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise you for this opportunity to be able to meet together, uh, both in line, online and in person. Uh, we thank you for the gift to us um, of Jesus Christ, your Son, who lived the perfect life, who died our death, and who has risen again to new life, uh, who gives us hope for this life and the life to come. I pray that in these next few minutes, uh, you would take my weak words, you'd make them strong, uh, you'd take our hard hearts and make them soft to hear what it is that you would have us hear this day. Uh, be with us all, we pray, and change us and lead us by your Holy Spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, church, we are, uh, in, as I mentioned, we're in the last week of our encounter series. And uh, as we've seen, uh, Jesus has had a number of significant encounters with people all the way through the Gospel of Luke. Um, we're in chapter 19, which is, um, incidentally, towards the tail end of Jesus's ministry, earthly ministry on earth. Um, he's, uh, he's actually had a fair bit of time on the ground. Jesus has actually got a bit of a reputation. He's got a bit of a posse, uh, so much so that we even know that people who are blind, uh, that don't get around much, have heard who this Jesus is. Uh, the context of the passage we're in, just before in the previous chapter, there was a blind man uh, who was on the outskirts of the city of Jericho, where Jesus is going in now, and he heard that Jesus was going past. And he cried out to Jesus and said, Jesus, help me recover my sight. And Jesus did only what Jesus could do. <laughs> and he did, and the blind man followed. And so, so Jesus 
is now got quite a name for himself. Now, a lot of the encounters we've seen so far, they've been mainly uh, Jesus dealing with you know, a lot of the outcasts of society, what you might call the, uh, the poor, forgotten beggars. There's a couple of exceptions. And today, we also come to another outcast of society, except he isn't a poor beggar. He's a rich, he's a despised rich ruler. He's a tax man. He's a tax collector. He's someone who is known for his... Uh, ex, uh, his uh, Ex, uh, what's the word I'm thinking? Exploitation. exploitation. Thank you, Dave. Exploitation of people. The way a tax man would get his wage is he would, the, you know, he was underneath, you know, the, the rule of the land. So you need to collect this much taxes. And how do you get paid? Just collect whatever extra taxes you want. <laughs> so, you know, just take a look into your own heart and think, how would I do that job? Um, <laughs> now, this guy, Zacchaeus, we learn in this text today, he is the chief tax collector. He's the big man. He's the boss man. He's the boss tax collector. He's been doing it for a while. He knows how to exploit. He knows how to collect money. And he lives where? In Jericho. Jericho is like big dog city. And he's got the tax, he's the chief tax collector living in Jericho. His place is like more mint, you know, like grand designs times a million. You know, this is this is this is Zacchaeus. This is the outcast of society we're thinking about today. Um, so we're going to see what happens when Jesus encounters this rich man. Now, as we do come into this story, I want us to come in with an echo of what we heard about last week, which was only just last chapter. Perhaps you remember what Jesus was teaching to his disciples. He said a very profound statement, which was, truly, it is harder for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, okay, eye of a needle, and then camel. <laughs> truly, it's harder for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich person to inherit the kingdom of God. And we've got this very rich ruler encountering Jesus. Jesus finishes that parable after the disciples are like, oh, what, what, what happens? Jesus finishes that parable and he says, it is impossible for man, but it is possible for God. What is impossible with man is possible with God. Today, in our passage, we get to see what it looks like when God makes impossible saving possible. That's pretty cool. All right, so um, the way we're going to work through the text is we're going to just take a big, we're going to sort of dive in. We're going to do a big picture view of sort of this Zacchaeus encounter and the order in which it happens. The order is important. Then we're going to see the experience unfold a little bit more closer to home. And then we're going to zoom right out and we're going to look at some possible applications for us today. Okay. So let's think about the order of this encounter of what happens with Zacchaeus. The order is very important. Hashtag gospel. The order is very important. First, we see in this passage, we see the person and power of Jesus comes near into the city. The person and power of Jesus comes near. The second thing we see is that, is that there is personal insight of this man there's a personal insight and there's an investigation and an intrigue into the person of Jesus. As Jesus comes near, there's then this, there's a personal insight into who, into who he is to then investigate who Jesus is. And then the response of this man's intrigue and investigation is Jesus's further advance into his life. Okay, so we've started with Jesus enters Jericho. Just give a bit of a recap. Zacchaeus being like, I want to see this Jesus. 
climbing the tree, Jesus then seeing Zacchaeus, and then Jesus saying, I'm coming into your house today. Jesus comes near, intrigue, Jesus further advances, and then there's the reaction of Zacchaeus, and his reaction to knowing that he is known by Jesus and that Jesus wants to know him more to come into his, pl- his house, there is, the reaction is joy. 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 Jesus enter, is, enters into his house under the joyful reception of Zacchaeus. And from this willing reception and to this allowing Jesus to come into this very personal and intimate space of his life, okay, the intrigue and the investigation becomes a true realization of who Jesus is. And, that, and then Jesus becomes his all of life. After then, Zacchaeus, he responds and he becomes a blessing to all the people around him because of the blessing that Jesus has already been to him. I want us to hold that order as we go through these next, next, next few points. Jesus comes near. There's personal intrigue. Jesus advances even more. And then there's a reception of joy. Jesus is in his life. And then there's a full, there's a full revelation and realization of who Jesus is. And then there's the good works expressed by this man. All right, let's dive in a little bit more deeply. I'm going to start in verse 1. He entered Jericho. This is Jesus going into Jericho. Verse 2, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector and was rich. He was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. All right, check this out. Zacchaeus is a really rich man, a really rich man. Like he's got it all, but he hears Jesus who's coming in and it's the rich man who's going to seek Jesus. What does that tell us about riches? What does this tell us about when you're on the other side of the, on the side of the scale in terms of human existence? You've got the poor people and you kind of, oh, well, that makes sense why well, they would want Jesus. But then you've got the rich man who's on the other side of life and he realizes that he also needs Jesus, doesn't he? It's like the quote of Jim Carrey. He says, I wish everyone would, ha- would, would become rich and had everything that they've always wanted so that they also would realize that that is not the point. Zacchaeus seems to have this personal understanding and personal realization that actually, now that he has everything, quote unquote everything, he still lacks something. And we're at a point in Jesus's ministry where he's heard enough about this Jesus man, this God man, this person who raises people from the dead, this person who calms the winds and the waves, this person who walks on water, this person who casts out demons. And Zacchaeus is like, he's come to my town. I've got to get a look at this Jesus. So Zacchaeus runs ahead, doesn't he? He runs ahead. He's like, okay, Jesus is on, okay, he's on the Surf Coast Highway. All right, I know that there's not, no turnoffs before he gets to the next part of the destination. I'm going to climb up the next sycamore tree that I can see. Climbs up the big, broad sycamore tree, and Jesus walks along, and Jesus notices this man who's seeking to see him, and he looks up. And what does Jesus do? Jesus calls Zacchaeus by name. Imagine what this is like for Zacchaeus. This rich man who seems, I, I feel like we can say he seems to be at the end of himself. He's, a, he's like the chief tax collector at the time and he's willing to shame himself. Like for a little 
tax collector like this to climb up a sycamore tree to get a view on someone as the crowd passes, like that's not dignified behavior in the ancient Near East. You know, they're wearing robes, you climb up a tree, people seeing up them robes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Zacchaeus, he's, he's, he wants something. And then Jesus, Jesus, he could have just kept walking straight on by, couldn't he? He's got the crowd, people are, you know, they're playing the cavoozlers, what are they called, the, the trumpet things? Vuzillas. Vuzillas, Kazoos, yeah, they've got kazoos. Someone found a kazoo. Yeah, someone's got a tambourine. They didn't work, no, they were invented by then. He's just healed, he's just healed a blind man, and there's just a rich dude up the tree. He's a rich dude, right? Just, he's already got everything he needs. But then Jesus stops. I can picture the whole crowd walking along with Jesus as Jesus is going into Jericho. He's on his way to Jerusalem. He knows what's ahead. And then Zacchaeus up the tree. And he calls him by name. Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. <laughs> I love it. Hurry up and come down. For I must stay at your house today. That's cool. That's cool. Jesus enters in. Jesus wants to come into the lives of those that are seeking him, doesn't he? Tells us that Jesus wants to come into the lives of those that are seeking him. Now, just side note, I love the authority of Jesus in this moment. Like Zacchaeus' house, you know, grand designs, time a million. Jesus is going through Jericho. He's like, where do I want to stay tonight? I guess I'm son of the living God. I probably can pick Zacchaeus' place, you know. <laughs> You know, it's going to get hard in Jerusalem. You know, there's a, there's a cross there. Maybe we just try and have, you know, some little bit of respite. Anyway, Jesus does what he wants. But importantly, we see Zacchaeus receive Jesus, doesn't he? He receives that self-invite by Jesus. Jesus didn't have to be impressed by Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus didn't have to do anything special. Zacchaeus didn't have to clean up his house before Jesus came over Jesus has said, I'm coming over, and just Zacchaeus joyfully said, yes. See, this is what is so different, I think, to so many of uh, what we see uh, in many of the characters in, you know, in Jesus' ministry, many of the Pharisees, many of the, uh, the religious people, even many people today. There is always an open invitation for Jesus to come over into your, into your life, to come into your house. But so many people aren't willing to let Jesus enter in because they think, they know, they know what Jesus is really about. And they're not willing to actually open up just that little bit to be like, hmm, well, maybe if I sit around the table with Jesus, I'll hear a little bit about who Jesus really is and not who my workmate or my family member or whoever it is, the news or the TikTok is telling me about who Jesus is. Zacchaeus shows a reception to Jesus, which I think we can all learn from, that when Jesus is almost knocking on the door, <laughs> and starting to push it open, we say, yeah, come on, Jesus, let's chat. Then we see when Jesus, so we see from verse 5, when Jesus came to the place, sorry, not from verse 5, yeah, he said, hurry up, come down. And then when, G when Zacchaeus received Jesus, he receives him how? Look, joyfully, yes, joyfully. Zacchaeus knows that Jesus isn't an overwhelming, authoritative dictator that's going to take everything from him. Jesus is good. 
Jesus is loving. Jesus, he's, willing to, he's willing to hear more from Jesus. And Zacchaeus, who's already been seeking Jesus in this, Jesus, Zacchaeus, who's already, I'm going I'm to get this wrong so many times, Zacchaeus, who's already been longing to know who Jesus is, longing to know more about who Jesus is, when he longs for that and when their path crosses, Jesus comes in and then what does Zacchaeus get? He gets intimate relationship. Intimate relationship and it's personal. It's by name. And then more than that, it's then transformational because the way Jesus comes into his life is to change his life. Because we get this beautiful verse at the end of the passage. Jesus said to him, salvation has come to his house, for he also is a son of Abraham. What is incredible in that one statement is that through Zacchaeus's trust and faith and belief in Jesus to come into his life and to ex- freely accept him, no matter what the cost, Jesus then declares of Zacchaeus, you're a son of Abraham. You're adopted into the family. You're now one of my children. You're a son, a beloved son. You're now part of the covenant promise from all of the Old Testament. You are now on my team. You are a son of Abraham. Now, in preparing for this sermon, I spent ages trying to figure out, is Zacchaeus a Jew or is he a Gentile? Because if he's a Jew, that means he kind of has kind of a, it makes sense, right, for him to be a son of Abraham. Because, well, you know, normally he would come down in that lineage. He's going to, of course, he's going to be a son of Abraham. But then you look into the name Zacchaeus and it's like, hold on, it's Greek for salvation is kind of the origin, okay? So maybe he's a Gentile. You kind of can't, he lives in Jericho, which has a you know, pretty non, a non-like uh, Jewish heritage. Okay, what's going on here? Like the, you know, at this point, the Romans have well and surely come in. But I think it very intentionally doesn't tell us if Zacchaeus is a Jew or a Gentile because we get to the end and it tells us that it's not about how Zacchaeus starts. It's about how he ends after his encounter with Jesus. The final line is that Zacchaeus is he's a son of Abraham after his response to Jesus entering into his life. It's not about how Zacchaeus starts, it's how he ends. It's how he responds to Jesus coming in. It's how he responds to Jesus saying, today I'm coming over to your house. We can so often get hung up about our past life, all the wrong that we've done, all the sin that we've committed, all the people that we've let down, all the ways we've let ourselves down, all the ways that we've let God down, all the ways that we'll say to ourselves, because I've done this, God will never accept me. Because I've done this, I could never come to church today. Because I'm like this, I could never. Zacchaeus is in that boat. He's a chief tax collector. He's got a, if he did an audit on his life of the amount of people that he's screwed over... He'd be able to build a house out of those books (laughs) bigger than his current house. But it's not about how Zacchaeus starts. It's not about what his family origin was before. It's about how he responds to when Jesus comes into his life, to who he is after then. That's what he lives from. That's his identity. When he gets relationship with Jesus, he gets salvation. Jesus says, salvation has come to this house. Now, it's really interesting to see is, is, is 
Jesus sees the evidence of that salvation in the way that Zacchaeus responds, doesn't he? Jesus sees the evidence of that salvation by the way that Zacchaeus responds. We talked about the order being really important. We notice that at the end of this passage, it's at the end of this passage that Zacchaeus says, I'm going to restore all the debts. I'm going to restore all the ways that I've wronged people. I'm going to give half of everything to the poor. It's at the end. I think religion today, all of the isms, all of your Buddhisms and Hinduisms and Mormonisms and all of the isms, sometimes even, you know, they, they flip this pattern upside down. And they would say, before you're accepted by Jesus, go and give half your stuff to the poor. Before you get accepted by Jesus, make your house clean. Before you get accepted by Jesus, restore everything to everyone that you've ever wronged fourfold. And then Jesus will come into your life. Is that what we see here? No, that's not what being a Christian is. That's not the Jesus of the Bible. Jesus of the Bible is he draws near to the town. People are intrigued and they begin to investigate who this Jesus is. Jesus sees us. Jesus says, I'm coming into your life. Jesus enters in after we open ourselves up and we have this intimate encounter and then we truly get to understand who Jesus is. And then Jesus is there and, and we understand that this is the son of the living God who would dine at a table with me and accept my hospitality and come into my life. Then it's from being received by Jesus that Zacchaeus is like, because of the way that God has blessed me, I'm going to bless others. His good works are a result of his salvation. His good deeds are an expression of his joy in the God that has saved him. It's, 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 a, it's, an, it's an evidence that Zacchaeus is saying to the rest of the world, he's like, look, I don't need money anymore. I've got relationship with Jesus Christ the son of the most high God. What's money for? Don't let the rest of the world tell you that you have to clean yourself up before that you're going to be, before God is going to see you as right. The gospel is the good news that God gives us his best when we are at our worst, not the other way around. So that's the really, that's one of the lovely things that I love about this passage. Then we get to the very last verse of this passage. Verse 10. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. There's Jesus' primary job description. I'm going to talk about more of this in a moment. Uh, but I, I love the, uh, the turn that this passage takes as you read through it. You see, this story starts with Zacchaeus... It starts with describing this tax collector Zacchaeus, a rich man who is seeking a sighting of Jesus. It starts with Zacchaeus seeking after a sighting of Jesus, but it ends with what we learn about this story being of how Jesus was actually seeking Zacchaeus. That's beautiful, isn't it? We get this whole story, and then right at the end, Jesus is like, now I'll tell you what was really going on. I went through Jericho because I was looking for Zacchaeus. I come to seek and save the lost. And that's the only way we can be saved. Because Zacchaeus on his own, he didn't go out of the town to go to Jesus, did he? Jesus came to him. Zacchaeus on his own, he didn't go out of his way to invite Jesus over for dinner, did he? Jesus came in to be with him. 
And on his own, Zacchaeus wasn't going to become a child of the promise in God's family. Jesus gave that to him. That's how an inheritance works. So we thought about that last week. You see, what we see in the person of Zacchaeus is that all he did was realize that the things of this world were never going to satisfy him. And he was intrigued by Jesus and he let him in. Jesus did the rest. So what are some application points in the way that we're going to bring uh, this story down to our level, into our time today? We've got a couple to think about. The first one I want to think about for us in light of Zacchaeus is our active seeking. I want us to think about our active seeking. We need to see that in this passage, seeking Jesus is an active, pursuing, running process. It's not sitting and doing nothing in a pit of laziness and despair and expecting God's presence to just show up. I know this is a hard point to hear for many of us, but in the politically correct PC white bread culture that we read today, people just have this grand sense of expectation that everything will come to them. And that's not how we see God working here in the Bible, is it? Zacchaeus, he was intrigued by Jesus. He wants to investigate Jesus. He didn't just stay at home. Oh, this is really meant to happen. Oh, if it's really meant to happen, I'm just going to lie down and God will do the rest. Because <laughs> God's good, isn't he? No, there's still human responsibility. There's still God at work drawing people to himself, being the fragrance and aroma of life that is attractive, but there's still also the personal responsibility of approach and submission and yielding to the Lordship of Jesus and seeking after him. I love this verse. I've been thinking about this a lot in the last two weeks. It's what David says to Solomon, his son when Solomon is going to build the temple for the Lord. This is a father's promise to his son in light of the God that they serve. And David says to Solomon about God, if you seek him, he will be found by you. If you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. See, I mean, it's beautifully most magnified in the cross of Christ, but what we know of God is that he's beautifully, he like, he's, he's just beautifully logical. Like he's beautifully balanced in all that he does. And we need to realize that we have a responsibility to be taking hold and to, fighting, to be fighting for the faith that we have in Jesus Christ, to be seeking after Jesus. It's not, a, it's not passive. It's not a purely passive endeavor. That's why we do things like Church Explored Outdoors because we're not just going to sit back and say, oh yeah, the world will come to us. We also need to be on the march. There's our active seeking. Zacchaeus running ahead of Jesus to climb the tree, to look down, to then have Jesus invite himself into his life. Second application point I want us to look at is Jesus' true calling. Jesus' true calling on your life. We see here, and I think it's... I was going to thought that was Winifred. You'll know Jesus is calling you 
you'll know that Jesus is speaking into your heart and inviting you in because it's a joy-filled invitation to be with him. It's not a judgment-driven obligation to obey. You know it's an invitation from Jesus because it's a joy-filled invitation to be with him, not a judgment-driven obligation to obey. See, Zacchaeus, he gets it, doesn't he? He's just like, what? This is Jesus. Like, this is, this is, wow, Jesus. Like, this is the, this is the son of God. It's not Jesus forcing himself in and Zacchaeus being like, oh, well, I better come down the tree now. Guess this guy who's really powerful is going to come to my house. I better put on a good spread, I guess. No, like, the, the, the call to respond to Jesus is filled with this over this brimming over of joy this 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 overwhelming sense of love and acceptance and and intimacy it's not a it's not guilt driven it's not coerced it's 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 responding to the true person of who Jesus Christ is as god in flesh and maybe this one stands out more to me than perhaps to the rest to the rest of you but it it, teach, it, it teaches me that if we're thinking about people genuinely responding to the person and work of Jesus, it's coming from a place of like, yes, I want to do this for God, as opposed to the pastor twisting someone's arm to guilt people in to serving the Lord. That's not how it should be. The other one I want us to think about is hope for all from this passage. Hope for all. That even those who you think won't respond to Jesus, they can and they will. Even the rich, even the they have it alls. That's the case, isn't it? Um, God has all authority, Jesus has all authority over heaven and earth, including our hearts including the hearts of the kings and the rulers of our land, including the hearts of our neighbours and brothers and sisters and family and friends that we think, oh, there's no way. There's no way that they could ever become a follower of Jesus. There's no way I'd ever be sitting next to them in church. This is like, this tells us that there is no one that is too far from the grace of God. It's almost, you know, it's almost like precursor to Saul becoming Paul in his Damascus Road experience of seeing Jesus along the road. So let me encourage you from this passage to be praying for the salvation of many, to be willing to share the gospel, to be willing to share who Jesus is with those who you least expect to ever respond. Because who knows? Maybe they'll let Jesus come over to their house and to have a significant impact in their life. Who knows? Maybe that you'll be hearing them say, oh, look, I'm just going to give half my stuff to the poor because Jesus is so good. Two other application points for us about repentance. Realistic repentance expectation. One realistic repentance expectation is that for us all, for anyone responding to Jesus, it's going to come with the world's rejection and judgment. Truly responding to Jesus will come with the world's rejection and judgment. We see it happen for Zacchaeus, don't we? Zacchaeus. He gets the invitation from Jesus. Jesus says, hurry, come down. I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and he came down and received him joyfully. 
Verse 7, and when they saw it, this is the crowd, this is Jesus' posse. These are like, you know, oh, yeah, we love Jesus. Jesus is awesome. When they saw it, they all celebrated? No. They all were like, wow, Jesus saved this tax collector. He's going to go to his place. No. They all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. There's going to be people that look upon our repentance and faith in Jesus and they're going to grumble. Why would you do that? Oh, why? You know, even, even this, even, you know, there'll be the other side. There'll be people in churches that call themselves Christians. They'll be like, why is Jesus? Jesus hasn't really gone and come into their life. No. Really? Jesus is not really doing a regenerative work of, of their heart, is he? Oh, I don't know. Genuine repentance will come with adversary, adversity. Then there's the other realistic expectation of repentance. Now, this sounds hard, but it's actually really good when it happens. Um, responding to Jesus comes with a rejection and a judgment of ourselves, personally. We'll say, like Zacchaeus, we'll say, I'm going to give half my stuff away because actually I'm turning away from this old life. And oh, man, I reject that. I was like pursuing riches and I was pursuing, you know, I was, I, was, I, was, I was using people, to borrow an old quote, I was, using, I was loving money and using people. I was loving money, I was using people. And then we see Zacchaeus repent. He turns from his old way. He turns from his old life and he turns to Jesus' life. And then he turns from loving money and using people to using money to love people. There's a real personal change and a repentance in his way of doing life. And we should all notice that in our own hearts when we truly respond to Jesus. We should notice all of a sudden we have a disgust or a distaste for all the things that we've once found, for the things of this world that aren't of, that aren't of Christ, that they just, oh, I don't like that anymore. I'm not interested in doing that anymore. We've heard some amazing Jesus encountered testimonies over the last couple, of, last couple of months, haven't we? All of a sudden, I just didn't want to party anymore like that. All of a sudden, I just wanted to like, just be reading my Bible. <laughs> I became a Bible nerd in like two months. What's, what's going on? It's an evidence of Jesus coming into your life and his Holy Spirit changing your heart to make you become more like Jesus. And when you see that, you can be encouraged that it's happening, even though others may be disgusted. Second last application point, I want us to see a true view of Jesus Christ from verse 10. A true view of Jesus Christ. Jesus' primary mission is to seek and save the lost. That's his primary mission. That's what Jesus is about. That when Jesus puts on flesh and there's this divine condescension of God coming in and being born into a major, which we're soon going to be celebrating big time. It's for him to come and seek and save the lost. Jesus, Jesus doesn't come to give health, wealth, and prosperity. Okay? Jesus doesn't come to give you your best life now in that way of thinking. Ironically, it will be your best life now, but not as the world measures it. Jesus doesn't come so that you can have victory in all of life. Jesus is a crucified saviour. 
He says, come and follow me, take up your cross, die to yourself. It's not about having the fancy car, the big boat, the nice house, and the wonderful success. That's not what Jesus is primarily about. He's about seeking and saving the lost, turning people from their sin to him, adopting them into the family so that they too can become a child of Abraham, a son of Abraham. So when you start hearing, you know, if you hear sermons or if you hear little taglines, when people take verses of scripture and twist it and turn it into something that all of a sudden like, oh yeah, yeah, that sounds like, that sounds like one of the, you know, nice add a little of Jesus to my life. I get some cool stuff. Mm-mm. It's not about fulfilling your personal desires. It's about living for the glory of God, our maker and our king. A true view of Christ. And to close on this, lastly and most wonderfully, what we see in this passage for us is a greater and more profound joy. We see that this saving of Zacchaeus it points to a better salvation. This is my favorite part of this entire passage. See, I wonder if you notice the God, I see what you did there with the sycamore tree. I wonder if I, you notice the God, I see what you did there. Let me read for you Galatians 3, verses 13 to 14. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Christ rescued us from our sin and our guilt and our shame. Christ rescued us from the judgment that was coming for us. Christ, Christ took that punishment away from us that was meant to be for us by taking on himself. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanging on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. That's a gospel verse, gospel verses right there. That is telling us of the great exchange, the great exchange of where Jesus takes our sin and what all the, or what's meant to be coming for us. He takes all of our rubbish and he takes his perfect life and righteousness and grand inheritance. And he goes, okay, I'm going to take your junk, put that on my pile and you can have my stuff. Great exchange. But we go, Jesus, if you have my pile, that means you've got to die. He's like, yeah, I know. That's how much I love you. What we see in this passage is that Zacchaeus, he, he, he climbs up a tree to seek Jesus. And Zacchaeus doesn't even know that later on in the story, Jesus is going to be lifted up on a tree to save Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, he's born small. So that one day he might climb a tree and that's going to lead to his salvation. Jesus, God in flesh, he made himself small. He became a human so that he could come and seek and save the loss by dying on a tree. Now we see Zacchaeus, he celebrates that Jesus would reach out to show him his love and his reaching out, is, is, is a, it's a love by showing Zacchaeus that he is known and that he is welcomed. That's all Zacchaeus needs. Jesus Christ says, he knows me and he welcomes me. That's all that he needs. And, by, and, and he has faith in Jesus. And what we see for us, this side of the cross, 
we have so much more. How much more can we celebrate when we see that Jesus, rather than just showing us that we are known and welcomed into his family, Jesus shows us his love by being crushed and crucified on our behalf. For we see on our own, on our own, we aren't going to be going out of town to see Jesus. Jesus, he came to us, didn't he? On our own, we aren't going to be, we, we didn't go out of our way to be inviting Jesus in. Jesus came to us and through, and through others so that we could meet him and so that he, we could be with him. And on our own, we're not going to be becoming a child of the living God, but Jesus, through his death on the cross, we read in Galatians 3, he made that possible for us. So church, have faith in Jesus, trust in Jesus, simply believe in his power to save you through his life, death and resurrection on your behalf. In that, see his love. In that, see his acceptance. In that, see his invitation. And know that it's from that that we then live a life of faith and sacrifice and repentance because of the joy that we found in him much, much more than small man Zacchaeus. Let's pray. Our dearest Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this story of this tax, tax man. Uh, thank you that you came to seek and save the lost. Thank you that for all of us here in this room and online, this is an evidence of you coming into our life and us responding to you through the intrigue and the investigation that we want to have right here in this moment. I pray for each and every person listening right now that they would indeed let Jesus into their life, knowing that they don't have to clean up the house, knowing that they don't have to make things right, but that Jesus has seen them, he knows them, he welcomes them, he even dies for them to give them his righteousness so that we all can become children of the living God, sons and daughters of Abraham, to inherit all the promises that come with that. So thank you for this time. Thank you for being with us. Help us to live lives that bear fruit in keeping with repentance as each day we seek to live with Jesus as our Lord, Saviour, best friend and treasure. In his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.